0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is season seven, episode four. Today on the podcast, we have someone that we probably should have had a long time ago on the podcast. Christina Crook is a writer and thinker and practitioner of what I would call digital mindfulness. And she was doing this long before it was cool or trendy or anyone else was talking about it. Um, Actually, Harper's Bazaar has called her, I love this, the Marie Kondo of digital. So she's going to increase how we can have joy in our digital life. And just like Marie Kondo says, if it doesn't bring you joy, get rid of it. So can't wait to dive into that conversation with Christina Crook today. Uh, Thank you, of course, to our sponsors, Compassion Canada, back again for another season an amazing organization doing work for the sake of children around the world through the local church and the church co this is a website building company and you've got to check them out if you haven't already checked them out i want you to go to the website but there's going to be more info on that later and links down in the show notes as always i want you to go to our youtube channel we're just releasing some new tutorials in the next number of days so if you don't subscribe you're going to miss those we want to resource you with all kinds of free stuff to do what you do better helping Uh, tell the best news in the world. And of course, we have a back catalog there of podcasts. If you want to check out or you want to see us talking to one another, if you want to look at people rather than just hear their voice, you can do that there. And finally, the Digital Church Facebook group. If you haven't joined us, go on over and join us. We'd love for you to join the party. All right. Christina Crook, she wrote a book called The Joy of Missing Out or JOMO instead of FOMO. And she's also written a more recent book called Good Burdens. And we're talking about navigating this burden and responsibility in a good way in our digital lives and and a bunch more things. So enjoy this conversation with Christina Crook. Welcome to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to season seven. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Christina Crook, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm really glad. It's about time I had you on this podcast. Indeed. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> um, we, we should start with an introduction. First of all, you know, we are living in the same city and um, through some... Christian circles, we've had some connection and because we have some nerdy interests that are the same to do with digital, but give us a bit of introduction to who you are and we'll dive in. I can't wait to have this conversation.
1: For sure. Um, the simplest thing, way to put it is that I'm a digital well-being expert so I'm an author and a podcaster and a speaker I speak about how to build a healthy relationship with the internet so I've authored two books now the first is The Joy of Missing Out and the second is Good Burdens How to Live Joyfully
0: in the Digital Age. Right and I mean then the the obvious question is like (laughs) Uh, why? Because you, you were talking about this before it was trendy to talk about this. Um, so can we go and like, what was disturbing your soul or what was the research you were doing or what you were observing in the world? Um, Mm -hmm. what brought, why did I mean, really we're going back to the first book, but your work in this area with joy of missing out, where did this come from for you?
1: Yeah, so I studied uh, communication in university at Simon Fraser University. I'm originally from Vancouver. And I mean, I had a full education in being keyed into the ways in which technology shapes individuals and societies for the better or the worse. Um, It's a liberal arts university. And so very much it was a critical lens on technology, asking those hard questions about there's always a trade off, right, for every new thing that we... Um, right on board, we are giving something else up and and sort of asking those hard questions about trade-offs. So that was sort of the framing I went into beginning my career first at the CBC in Vancouver, then moving into freelance. And during that time, I moved from Vancouver to Toronto. And in one fell swoop, basically 95% of my relationships were somehow mediated now through the internet or through the phone because I had moved so far away from you know all of my lifelong relationships. And I was forging new ones. And so it was around that time that I started to use the internet in really new ways and I wasn't really happy with the ways I was using it it was very, much more passive it was much more voyeuristic sort of checking in on people's news feeds and the things they were posting to kind of get a glimpse of what they were doing in their lives but but knowing already at that point that I knew it wasn't the full picture right the pictures are pretty but it's never the full picture we all know this to be true and so and then as a creative, I was it was not very happy with my output i was finding that i wasn't really you know making big gains creatively and there were practical reasons for that cuz i at that point had young kids but i but i really knew that i was giving away a lot of time to the internet and not good time let's say not time well spent and so i decided to uh, do something radical which was to give up the internet for 31 days and it was through that internet fast um it really was the whole was- internet not just oh, the- social media no, the whole internet. So I had to file two stories during that month, um, like freelance pieces. I had to uh, save them to a USB stick and mail them in an envelope to deliver on, yeah, um, like a, <laughs> lot yeah, of creative, yeah, did. a lot of creative workarounds. I have to say that filing pieces by email, uh, big fan, it's cheap free uh, right. versus like the $40 to express an envelope. And then it got lost. It was a whole, a whole thing. Um, so definitely it was an experiment in looking at, right, the benefits and, you know, the detriments to my online habits. And what I discovered during that time was this incredible peace, like just a quietness of mind that I had been hungering for, huh. for a long wow. time. I just felt that things were quiet. And I started to realize that all those little five-minute and 10-minute and 20-minute check-ins I made on my phone actually added up to a huge amount of time in a day. You know, We always say, we're so busy, I have no time. But actually, all that little bit of margin, we're giving away that margin. And so all of a sudden, having all that margin back allowed me to write and create um and connect with neighbors and so so just full circle to answer your questions that's where it all began for me I wrote a a number of essays about that experiment my publisher reached out to me about expanding off of that into the book which became the joy of missing out and then Jomo became a thing in the world and so here we are today
0: wow Uh, it's interesting you talk about trade-offs um uh with every, I suppose, with every new technology, there are trade-offs. Whatever we want to define as technology, like, uh, uh, I think when, when any new technology, the light bulb, uh, the iPhone, you know, the, the train, <laughs> when, you know, assembly lines, when any of these things came along as a technology or a new approach to how we fundamentally live in the world, uh, we, at first, were always so optimistic. Uh, And it seems that it doesn't take long for most technologies to show its shadow. Mm. Um, So can you speak to, um, I think some of the trade-offs maybe are obvious. You've already said like um, you can waste your time, but can you, can you go a little deeper with us? Because I think we all know we're wasting our time. There's this Facebook, uh, you know, all the papers that have come out. It's all in the news these days, but what everybody already knew, which is that if that social media is bad for our mental health and Facebook and all the other guys, they already know this. We all know this. Um, but can you go a little deeper? What are some of those trade-offs that you're seeing um, with the internet?
1: So I like to get right down to the nitty gritty. So instead of talking in big philosophical terms I'd like to just get right into like a practical example so an example would be googling for the best pizza place (laughs) versus asking someone like your neighbor that you happen to bump into the street okay so so if we google it's right the big the big promises of technology are convenience right it's gonna be faster better easier but but actually if we choose not to go for that convenience to do something a little bit more inconvenient like asking someone or like you and I even though we're not in the same space I can ask you Joanna what is the best pizza place in Toronto and you'll be like let me tell you all about my favorite pizza place and that is a (laughs) moment right is that that is a moment for connection right that is a moment that we are seizing and it is more inconvenient probably it's going to take us five minutes or ten minutes instead of a nanosecond but it's all of those decisions, all of those trade-offs that we're making on a daily basis. And so um, one of the studies that I, I share all of the time comes from a professor named Dr. Pamela Pavlisak, and she's a professor at Pratt. And she had people track their technology experiences in journals. And what she discovered through her study was that people that are happiest with technology use it in three very distinct ways, and they use it for creativity, community, and care so care is
0: this is new this is this is fascinating
1: yeah and so when we talk about the trade-offs the decision to and so I in the new book I'm talking about you know, the big pushes, like I mentioned before, which are the, you know, convenience and control, these these pushes of big tech and, and trading them for actually, instead of choosing the convenient way, I'm gonna choose the connecting way, the community way, instead mm-hmm. of doing, you know, whatever i want to control my message or my you know my persona on the internet actually i'm going to give a little bit of that control up and just be more creative i'm going to lean into creativity and be a little bit more bold and a little bit more myself and so those are the trade-offs we're making on a daily basis
0: oh that's really interesting okay creativity connection care Care. Mm -hmm. those are the added values Um, And then there's some other stuff that starts to decrease, uh, you know, quality of life, etc. So let's like, there's this whole new book, there was obviously so much more to say so much more research that you've done. um, So many more conversations that you've had and people you've had an opportunity to interact with. So um, I guess what is tell us a little bit about this particular book? Because like, um, I think some of my listeners will have read your other book or be familiar with your work. And, um, like, why did you need the next book? Maybe in some ways that's an obvious question, but, but, um, yeah, what is this talking about that the first one isn't, it wasn't able to address? So, um,
1: good burdens. So I, right after you publish a book, people ask what, what's the next book? And I was horrified by this question <laughs> because it's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm not writing a book for a book's sake. Like I have to be so taken with an idea because it is honestly such a painful, laborious, non-economically non-economic, economic viable choice huh. to write a book. And so I had to be so captivated by an idea that I was going to give, right, two, three years to writing a, a, a book and putting it in the world. So Good Burdens is addressing the question that is posed by the philosopher Dr. Albert Borgman, which I hope many of your listeners are familiar with. And if they're not, please look him up because he is a dear, beloved Andy Crow. Say the many- name again. Dr. Albert Borgman. The least sexy name in the world. (laughs) Albert Borgman, my dear friend, he is now probably 84. He is a professor emeritus at the University of Montana, a Christian, uh, a deeply loved and respected, um, you know, thought leader. He um, just for some context, Albert Borgman is the first person Andy Crouch, you know, thanks in his book, the tech wise family, like this is a person that is LM Sikasis, like all these people like lean into Borgman. Um, and so the question that he's like
0: the guy behind the guys, he's the guy behind the guys, like maybe some people you're naming that we would be more familiar with in, in more to a younger generation. He's the person informing their thinking. Exactly. So let's go to the source people. Let's
1: go to the source people. So um, in his 1984 book, Technology and the Shape of Contemporary Life, he asks a question. And the question is, what happens when technology begins to lift burdens we should not want to be rid of? And that is what good burdens is all about, that there are some burdensome things that we should not want to be rid of. So the burden of preparing a meal and gathering loved ones at the table, right? And sharing in conversation and being present in that experience. It is a burdensome thing to invite and to plan a, m- a menu and to cook, right? And to prepare. But But Borgman's point is that once there's certain activities that once you're across a certain threshold of effort, the burden disappears. Huh. And we should want for
0: those things. Those are good burdens. Taking a moment in this episode to talk to you about one of our sponsors. As we talk about all things digital and how to navigate, I want to talk to you about The Church Co. at thechurchco.com. If you don't know The Church Co., you do have to check charge. I don't know anybody else who's doing that. So you might already have a website, but honestly, their site's It makes me think of um, uh, when when uh, we talk about spiritual disciplines, like or spiritual practices. If people don't like the word disciplines, uh, we talk about them as being good work, or good, maybe even a good burden is another way we could say it. And I compare it often to sailing, where like sailing is a hobby, but it's a ho- it's a beautiful, um, you know, wonderful to catch the wind and go for a sail. If you know if people have ever been in a sailboat. Or you can imagine how that might feel to be pushed by wind. However, it's so much work to sail and to prepare the boat. And and even when you're sailing, you're never, it's not a motorboat that you're just cruising along. You're constantly, um, you know, checking the ropes, moving, adjusting, adjusting, adjusting the whole way. But it's this like good work. And so this good burden is fascinating. I love
1: that example because I actually use the metaphor of a ship in... The book, but I actually now wish. Thank you, Joanna. uh, Oh no, (laughs) that I'd use because I talk mostly about like an ocean liner, and the reason why I chose it because I'm talking about capacity and I'm talking about you know choosing what we bring aboard and keeping course. But what I like about what you're saying with sailing is there's an attentiveness that you need to have when Hmm. you're sailing that you wouldn't need necessarily. Well, you probably do aboard a large ocean liner. And that comes to a point about joy. Part of the reason why I also wrote this new book, Good Burdens, was because I made this discovery. And it was actually by interviewing um, the mother of mindfulness, Dr. Ellen Langer, who was the first woman-tenured professor in the psychology department of Harvard University, literally wrote the book Mindfulness 25 years ago and sort of popularized the study and interest in mindfulness. Before you could buy the mindfulness candle at your local bookstore. Indeed. She, she, (laughs) but she, but I was through talking to her about mindfulness that I made, I made the connection that all of the things that bring us joy require two things. They require noticing and nurturing. And when I hear you Mm -hmm. talk about the sailing and that's attention and effort, right? That somehow attention and effort need to be engaged. And so that's why scrolling on social media can often feel so bad because we're not being attentive and it doesn't require any of our effort we know deep in our gut that we're actually made for more and that's why that sort of dull feeling we have I think happens when we're using technology in a really passive way
0: yeah well and we know enough now to understand how it's chemically working like any other drug Exactly, Um, it's giving you a like, the like, the interaction, the comment gives you this quick hit, and then it dissipates. So you're seeking the next hit, but it's not actually uh, rewarding you (laughs) in a meaningful way. It's not lasting. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is very okay. This is very interesting. I mean, then this leads you on this whole journey. The work of your life now is you're going around talking about. Um, not just talking about this, but even leading through workshops and, and um, I want to talk about this area of your life. But before we go there, you said something interesting right before we started recording and you, and I asked you, should we talk like you're a Christian or talk like you're not, you know, just you're a person in the world. And you said that you'd like to, to out yourself a little more these days because your work isn't actually overtly, it's not a Christian work. It's regular work, whatever that, or secular work. I don't know if that's the word I like to use, but you want to out yourself a little more these days as a person of faith. So, um, let's talk about that because a lot of people listening to this podcast are Christian people who work in the regular world. They're not in church world. And I think it'd be a real encouragement and, um, Um, Just some some insight from you would probably really be helpful about what are you trying to do with this? (laughs) (laughs) Thank
1: you for asking that question. I think, so I've never felt called to be a Christian writer. I've felt called to be a Christian who writes, and I just knew that was my mandate. I just knew that was what God had called me to do. And so I think in many ways I've chosen the more difficult path in the sense of, trying to wrestle concepts and ideas to the ground so all people can understand, not using sort of sh- Christian shortcuts to capture a large idea in a, in a short amount of time. And I think, and I'm incredibly grateful that I've done that work and I've only done it because like I said, I felt like that's what I was meant to do. Um, not because I was trying to take some kind of higher road or anything of the, of the kind. Um, and I have, and for many years, I felt like Jekyll and Hyde. Like I felt like I had to hide mm-hmm. away a particular part of myself um, to hide away language that I wanted to use, and and I felt an absolute immense freedom um, whenever I was in a cr- invited to speak in a Christian context to just literally i will just say it like letter rip like like the undergirding (laughs) of all that i teach right is like we are created in the image of right like we like all of these things right that are at the heart and undergird all of the things that i'm trying to communicate in terms of like living alive like we're called to more um and and i think it was really in the last year and a half i really felt at the start of of covid really um that God was speaking to me about being more rooted, deeply rooted in the vine. Um, and and I, and I was feeling that not specifically in him, but in the church, which is him. But just that's what it was for me is somehow getting deeper and closer to the people of faith in my life. And um, and so I'm just quietly, slowly trying to bring more of the language of faith into my into my work, um, kind of in the way that Brené Brown does it. I think Brené Brown does such an amazing job of being so perfectly open, right? That she is a person of faith, that church is important to her, that that is a place that she goes to, to meet very, very, you know, core needs. Um, and so that's kind of the line I'm trying to walk. My work isn't going to be, it's not like now we're doing Christian digital well being. Like this is still the work that I'm doing, but, um, And uh, it's really funny because my number one person, like I have a very lean team and my like core teammate is a trans woman in like Harlem, New York. And I was talking to her about about doing like starting to talk more about my faith. And she was like, finally, she was like, so ah, excited. She was just like, interesting. Like she's like hungering for more of that. She's like, I want to hear more about those things. I want to hear more about that, that part of you. And so for me, that was just like, yes. Like that was just the, the yes that I needed to to lean more into that. So you can keep me accountable, Joanna.
0: No, I think that's fascinating because I think, um, I think, uh, uh, in a cultural context of a lot of people, I think, you know, that's nice for you, but like, don't push it on me is sort of, I think how a lot of us think about like, even just statistics and studies most recently coming out from Barna and the like around evangelism is like, it's, it's especially like younger generation, like don't share your faith. Like it's, it's offensive or inappropriate to share your faith with other people. Um, which is interesting when, you know, it's kind of one of the core things about Christianity is to share it with other people. Uh, But it's this wrestle of how to do that when we've seen it done so poorly so many times. So what you're saying is there is some level of openness or curiosity to the faith that you have as part of the work that you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, anyways, we, we,
1: we need to be whole, Right. And trying to hide away certain components of our life. I think there's wisdom in that. I remember, um, you know, someone I really respected one time talking to me about the verse in the Bible that talks about being wise as serp- serpents and innocent as doves. And this was a, a, a national political leader. And, and he had used that approach in terms of, you know, navigating his political career. And so I carried that with me for a long time. I think there definitely are ways in which we should be wise. in in terms of how we navigate that publicly. Um, But yeah, to be innocent as doves. And for me, I read that as like, I want an innocence and a purity in my heart around who I am and what I believe. And I don't want to be hiding, you know, let's go back to Sunday school, like hiding my light under a bushel, (laughs) so to speak.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I think the difference too is you have done the work. I think that's the challenge for all of us is if we would hope that people who also, who express their faith also have, have thoughtful, intelligent, um, they've comments to add, they've contributed maybe. I mean, in your case, you've, you've done even like academic work on, on these issues. Um, you've researched, you've talked to the, you've talked to the right people where I think sometimes, you know, Christians just talk and they, uh, they don't necessarily, I mean, as all people do, but Christians, especially, I'm like, ah, uh, don't, don't add Jesus into this. Cause you already clearly don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. I get your point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're making us all look like a bunch of idiots, uh, but you have done the work. Um, I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts on, you know, there's a classic book in my own sort of the, uh, the works and readings that have impacted me, Neil Postman, Amusing Yourself to Death. Um, I think a number of people have read it. It's fairly classic. And if people haven't read it, another shout out, another book worth reading. Um, can we talk about that? Do you have, um, can you give us for people who don't know, tell us a little bit about, about that book or, uh, uh, just what stands out to you decades later about what he wrote a long time ago.
1: Yeah. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't do it justice by giving a synopsis, but I think the, you know, the synopsis is right in the, title that the temptation always was with mass media and of course he was writing you know a number of decades ago but he was already decades into you know television um is that the fear right or the temptation is that we are just going to amuse ourselves to death I remember the first time I watched the hunger games and saw the Capitol, and I looked at that and I was like that's hell And I think why I looked at that as a kind of hell was because all they had left was amusement. And it is just not the path to life it is just not wow we were made for more right a life of passive consumption is not what we were made for we were made for more and that is what at the core of what I think Neil Postman was saying was beware right beware of that and I think when people are bringing new technologies to market I actually had a conversation with one of the largest AI leaders, and this is already like four and a half years ago at a, a tech conference, an offline tech conference. It was like a, a fireside conversation. And he was talking like literally like some kind of like bananas guru about how <laughs> virtual reality and AI was just going to save humanity. And he's he was talking about putting like VR glasses on like someone in like absolute, like dire poverty in Africa. And if we could just get VR to the people in Africa. And I was like, okay, but then like, who's,
0: what did he want to do? Yeah. Why did they want that? (laughs) It was
1: so nonsensical. Like Like it was just like, he just believed if we could somehow all share in the same reality, that yeah. we a kind of truth could pervade and we would be free or something and this is like the kind of some of the stuff oh, you get coming I out see. of Silicon Valley and I'm talking like the person who went on the first Tesla ride like this is someone we would all know the name of like and 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 I was the only person that challenged him uh-huh. and asked like and but then who's putting food on the Table like who is who's feeding after that like Maslow's transformative experience of needs, right right like exactly. you need to
0: eat before
1: we address these issues a hundred percent and it was sort oh of like that's really nice but can we bring it down like seven levels to exactly mm. what you just said and so so that is the fear with with and that's what Neil Postman was getting at with amusing ourselves to death because what are VR comes to market and who's what's the biggest uptake who's the first company right to to run with VR the porn industry right of course it's the porn industry right is the immersive so that's the amusement right is the first and of course there's so many incredible things you can do in VR in terms of like building empathy and like right giving people a whole as close as you can to a whole life experience but yeah but, like but you and first, I um
0: mm-hmm. sorry just pause you and yeah. I um right before covid lockdown etc you and I were in edmonton canada together at a conference where compassion head of vr compassion canada head of vr experience where you could experience life in of one of the villages or towns that they work in around the world and you could yeah see hear, um Like it was an immersive experience of what it's like for the lives of the children that they're inviting us to help uh, and to sponsor. And so uh, there is a great example, but if that same technology can be used for some like really, you know, like if that's an uplifting of the child, this is like the, the degradation of humanity through the porn industry, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so
1: I guess that that was that that was what Neil's postman's point was the temptation towards a kind of amusement, and so I guess full circle, bringing us back to the conversation about how the people that are happiest with technology use it for community and creativity and care. I mean, Compassion's use of that technology was such a perfect example, right, of instilling yeah. care and growing compassion and that is all so incredibly creative in their approach um so so yeah but i mean neil postman's book is, is a book to return to again and again i mean he just yeah.
0: saw things that prophetic really i mean it's prophetic. like yeah. old an old book but um scary how true it is of 2022 <laughs> um Okay, so we all feel in our bones, in our guts, we know from the local news, we know that this isn't going well for us. It's not going well. I don't have children, but it's not going well for our kids uh, you know, even as, even as a dog owner, I'm beginning to realize how aware my dog is of where my attention is, i.e. Wow. in the world or in a screen, yep. I'm seeing that she knows the difference. Like she's in the room right now. You might, you maybe have heard her in the background chatting <laughs> and, uh, uh, she, she's aware when I'm even on this kind of a call. And when this is over, that my attention has changed. She can sense it and she's just an animal. So, how much more is it in our heart, mind, soul, body, emotion, spirit? Um, you have, you're like, it's like, where do we start? Christina, please help us. This is what you do. Um, can we have okay. some therapy here for a second? Because we all feel it and then we no. don't know what to do. And no. I am. I am looking for some help. So me and everyone listening, please help us not amuse ourselves to death. Let's do it. Okay. So here is my very
1: practical, um, contemplative Christian strategy Hmm. um, that everyone can start today. And it is a simplified version of the examine. So from St. Ignatius of Loyola The examine of conscience or consciousness, um, people kind of use that interchangeably. And so the simplified version that I use and I advocate for all people, and I do call it a contemplative, an age-old contemplative practice for those of us who do not identify as Christian, people like that. They don't like hearing, if I say the word priests are like, they recoil. So (laughs) (laughs) contemplative, but it's, it's asking yourself at the end of the day, two questions and the two questions, here are the two questions what today was most life giving and what today was most life taking on one piece of paper on your bedside table, write those two questions down, put a line down the middle, two columns and just for a minute or two at the end of your day, just reflect back and just jot down one thing, most life giving, most life taking. And over time you may notice, you will likely notice that interaction certain uses of technology are begin going to begin to fall into that life taking column and things that are very simple but are incredibly life-giving are going to start falling into your life giving column and over time we begin a new orientation towards the life giving because of course that's what we want. We don't want more life taking things. We don't want more despair. We want more joy. We want more of what gives life. And so that is such a simplified version. But the reality is, is I can give you all kinds of like, leave your phone outside the bedroom. Like we've all heard all of these like tech strategies. Right. But the reality is, is that all of us have unique professional and personal demands. Right. So our, as human beings, we're constantly changing and the technology is changing literally by the nanosecond. And so having, you know, like set rigorous, um, you know, thou shalt and thou shalt not around technology actually don't work super well because it's well, a for moving, most people
0: they don't. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because it's a moving target. And so that's why my message is all about identifying the things that bring joy and moving towards them. Mm. Um, and I really do believe that when you have, and I'll give this one other practical thing, when you've gone through your whole day on zoom or on whatever platform we are on right now, when you have finished your, your day, right. Zooming all day and you turn it off and you don't know what to do next, try and spend your time on a good burden. So put in the effort of Mm. putting on your shoes, getting the leash, Taking your dog out right she is a good little burden (laughs) that's a good analogy actually yeah yeah to go right to care to care for her to be out in nature the burden Mm -hmm. of putting in that effort right once you cross a little bit of that threshold right that burden disappears you're in it you're in the joy of it right a perfect example the other day one of my kids was home sick from school and he was kind of having a mad day and I could just feel it in my bones like I needed to get out of the house and so it was a particular some it was a bit of a burden that we had to get a bit of a, across a bit of an, a threshold to get out the door but at the end of the day we often share like our you know high and low of the of the day at dinner and and the, uh, right away it was so obvious like my 15 minute walk in the middle of the day right with my kid um was by, by far the most life-giving thing of that day it wasn't mm-hmm. You know, one more task checked off on the list. It wasn't more, one more social post. It wasn't even like, be- I'm launching a book right now. It wasn't even like all the beautiful affirmations I'm getting from people on social media. It wasn't that. It was something much more full that was the most life giving experience of that day.
0: Breaking news if you haven't figured it out yet, Christmas is just around the corner. And I'm excited to talk to you about this year's Gifts of Compassion gift guide. Every a gift guide in the lead up to Christmas and you can use it all year long but there's something for everybody in this guide if you have uh, you know a really techie uncle or you have a brother or sister that it's really hard to buy for them uh, you know a dad who always says he doesn't want anything and then a mom maybe you have a mom who loves like a fun stocking stuffer. What I love about this is that these gifts of uncertainty. But imagine if you had less resources. So hey, if you want to give a gift like This great quote about you, Harper's Bazaar, calls you the Marie Kondo of digital, um, the declutterer. So, and yes. you have some, you have some systems and methods to this. But again, yes. if we're starting today, I want to direct people to your website. There's all kinds of resources you have uh, to help people, um, and you can be hired for whole teams, you know, to work through this. Um, if people Absolutely. are listening and lead a team, but. Um, I will um, just. Why do that- they call you Marie Kondo? <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: I guess it's sort of like,
0: yeah sparking joy
1: right its sparking joy in your digital life and of course her whole thing is you know sparking joy in doesn't your home spark joy. in your space it doesn't yeah. does it spark joy and i mean that it that is such a simplified version i would of course like i don't take that language because i would feel like i'm like literally stealing from recondo and i would never do that but but it it's a great question is are the people you're following on social media sparking joy are your mm. habits sparking or are your digital habits sparking joy are the newsletters that you're still getting in your inbox that you think aren't really taking any of your time and attention, but they are at the periphery. They're still taking like a tiny bit of your margin are those sparking joy? Should those still be there, or do they need to go? And so that—that that is where that quote f- comes from. But very practically, if you do go to my website at christinacrook.com, there is a free Jomo guide there, and that Jomo guide has my digital house Jomo cleaning. Jomo is in joy of
0: missing out. Jomo Just as if people in the aren't joy. catching up
1: yet. Joy of Thank missing out. Thank you very much. The Jomo guide, the joy of missing out, um, but it is a—it's a, it's a digital house cleaning guide. I have a program, and we have a monthly live call where we do a live digital house cleaning. So you like do it, you get it done, you clean house. But I've I'm you mean like you're
0: on your like you're bringing your phone and you're like deleting apps on the call? Is that hundred percent? Oh my <laughs> gosh, that's awesome! You're
1: deleting apps, you're organizing your apps. You are unfollowing in your newsletter subscribes and your email. Hmm. You're unfollowing people people on social media. So I've given giving you guys for free um, my process and that free guide um, but would also obviously love to have you in the program as well but yeah that's that's why I'm called the Marie Kondo of digital. I kind of like I'm a bit sheepish about it but I'm also proud <laughs> uh,
0: i I think it's a good um, I don't don't be sheepish because I actually think we we're always looking like you know it's the it's the It's the Airbnb for, uh, you know, for cars. It's the Airbnb for pets or, you know, like we're looking for comparative for swimming pools. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. We're looking, we're trying to make those comparisons. So like, like people understand the recon. Oh, like she declutters. Um, That's right. So maybe one of my last questions for you is around this idea of joy. Joy is the joy of missing out, but joy is a, is a signature piece of your philosophy Mm -hmm. around digital and, I don't hear a lot of people using that language. Um, so in some ways, maybe it's just that it's Christian language because um, joy is, you know, from the Lord. <laughs> Indeed. But, uh, but, you know, why joy? And is this really possible? Like I, <laughs> I, I'm a skeptic about the joy factor. So yeah. do you have joy <laughs> mm, <laughs> about yes. your digital stuff? Tell me about yeah. this.
1: Yeah. Okay. So um, this was super helpful. So after my book came out, probably already to the first book, The Joy of Missing Out, I went, I was doing a word study as I do sometimes, because that's probably something that you and I both geek out on as well as digital. And I did a word study on joy. And it was so uh-huh. simple. It was written right into the Merriam-Webster's dictionary definition of the word joy are the two are these two words, well being and success wellness and success. And so the what, how I define joy mm. is the combination of well-being and success, but one layer deeper. Here's how I define well-being and success. Well-being is having a positive relationship with your abilities and your limits. And success is just the achievement of your goals. So those are totally possible in our digital lives. It is possible to have a positive relationship with your abilities and your limits. Christina Crook, a bit of a, a bit messy, <laughs> sometimes attracted to shiny objects, loves public speaking, but hates it too. Like the whole mess of like who I am, right? Mm-hmm. My abilities and my limits and being candid about that as best as I can. On digital, right? Like not trying to like be a perfectly cure. like I'm I'm both, right? Both and. And then the achievement of my goals. I can feel really good. I can experience joy. You can experience joy online when you're using it to achieve your goals, when you're actually accomplishing your goals. So Mm -hmm. is it possible? A 100%. Yes. Okay, Christina. Okay,
0: you're giving me some hopefulness. I think because as we come year two of COVID and uh, there's a weariness as we're into another winter season, at least where we are in the Northern hemisphere, the very Northern Toronto. Uh, Yeah. There is a weariness we feel. And, and there's a lot of doom and gloom. I mean, if, if this season of the podcast had a theme, this sort of subtle theme is really like the world is on fire. What do we do now? (laughs) Uh, That seems to be what I want to talk about the most with my guests. And And it does feel like the world is on fire. And so to hear you say that joy on the internet is attainable, because I think one of the wrestles is that the addiction of the internet to me is like a food addiction because Mm. at the end of the day, we actually need some of it. But how do we have a healthier relationship with it? As opposed to like you're addicted to cocaine, let's stop having you use cocaine. Yeah. Like you can remove yeah. it completely from your life. But I think most of us aren't going to become um, modern Amish people. We're, we're like, again, like they looked at technology and said, like we will fundamentally say no. We're going to ask interesting questions about does this help us? If not, we're not going to add it. And, you know, it's why they don't have cars because they felt like it was separating people from connectedness. It sped mm-hmm. up life too much, etc. Um, I don't know why they wear the funny hats, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that's yeah, got you... to do with it. But, but all to say, um, most of us aren't going to go in that yeah. direction. Yeah. It feels yeah. more like in a food addiction, where like we need this to live. I, I we need it for our profession, our life, yeah. professional lives, for connection yeah. to our loved ones. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we get a healthier relationship to it? Um, so I'm I'm grateful that you're doing this work. It's it is. Um, maybe the work itself, I hope it feels to you like a good burden for us all. Uh, I appreciate your research and your work. Um, if people want to find more about you, uh, where do you want to send them? Christina
1: ChristinaCrook.com. Yeah. And what about the book? They can get the book all over the place. Yeah. Um, you can get the book in all the good places where books can be sold. Go to Amazon last, <laughs> call your local bookstore. <laughs> right. I, i'm on your bookstore. email list
0: yeah and you and you said specifically this was a this was a for people who don't know how bookstores work if you go can you tell us like if you go to your local bookstore your independent shop what can they do to get them to like get the yeah. book or other yeah. books that they want oh yeah
1: so i mean just google bookstore if you don't know the closest bookstore to your house that's Goal number one, find the closest bookstore to your house. Number two, phone them and just tell them the books that you want. You're automatically supporting an author who's going to make more money (laughs) from that purchase. And then you're also supporting your local bookstore, which gives life to your neighborhood, right? The good burden of walking to your bookstore and having them recommend a book. It is such a treasure. But I mean, of course, you can also get the book in all the convenient ways that I'm sure you're used
0: to. Yes. Christina, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Christina, thank you so much for that conversation. It has turned into a budding friendship between us and perhaps some collaboration on some kingdom uh conspiring some kingdom activities together. So stay tuned if you um if you've like Christina, we're probably going to see a little bit more from us together in the future. Hey, next up on the podcast, we have a bonus episode. We're going to be talking to a charity about a rebrand and we're hoping to glean some insight from them into why they did that, how they did that, but also what is going on in the world of global evangelism. Like how are we telling people or how should we be and what do we need to be doing to tell people about Jesus? in 2022 also next week, Beyond that bonus episode, Daniel Yang, he's the director of the SEND Institute, and he's leading and overseeing all these initiatives that are coming out of Wheaton College. So the SEND Institute is at the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College. And prior to that, I met him when he was church planting in Toronto, where he was also working with recruiting and training church planters through the SEND Network and release initiatives. We're going to be talking about all things, church growth, church planting, multi multi-ethnic churches. You're going to love learning and listening to the very wise, educated, and culturally aware Daniel Yang. Thanks so much to our sponsors, Compassion Canada. Amazing work that they're doing with justice around the world. Go get a Christmas gift for somebody off of their amazing shop. And The Church Co., go get yourself a new website. Start the the new year strong with a beautiful new mobile friendly compatible with all the widgets and gadgets that they can build you on the site, thechurchco.com. See you on our YouTube channel, subscribe for tutorials, subscribe to this podcast, tell a friend about this podcast. If this is helpful to you, share it around. It'll be helpful to somebody else. All right. See you next week with Daniel Yang.
1: Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content,
0: hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Rate it and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world.